0: Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. When you look at something, you have the capability to discern whether it's dead or alive. A fish that's lifeless floats aimlessly carried here and there by the current, and being alive, it darts here and there, navigating clear of its predators. In humanity, the same concept of dead or alive exists, because one can still be physically alive, yet spiritually dead as a doornail and fully exposed to its predator. The proof? Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Have you been made alive? You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship, the Way of Life, Dead or Alive? Let's just back right off the edge and plunge right into this truth of God in Colossians 2.13, which confirms when God made, he completed, finished, fashioned, or formulated you alive. You had to be dead, and when God does it, he doesn't have to do it anymore of making his disciples alive again ever. You, as their disciple, will never need to be made alive again. That's first and foremost. And you're made alive forever. Praise God. And you must have been dead. So, the simple truth you have dead or alive, NGA, and can be physically alive when you are born on this planet, yet are spiritually dead. And when God made you spiritually alive, he made you alive by the work of God the Holy Spirit. Listen to this truth of God that God breathed through his disciple John in John three, chapter six excuse me, John chapter three, verse six, which says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The plain old truth, you have those who are born of Adam and are the flesh and those who are born of the Spirit that are spirit. That's the plain old truth. For this reason, God testifies to He made, and the He would be with a capital H, and in made is fixing, making, or achieving something in you. Yes or no? Do you believe God's pure milk of the word? Yes or no? N-G-A. You want to know how? Well, this is how you can be alive physically and yet dead spiritually. Listen to what God said through his disciple John in Revelation 3, 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has seven spirits of God and seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. The pure milk of the Word, God knows. God knows everything because He is omniscient, and there's nothing, nothing that happens within His creation where He's oblivious, uninformed, unsuspecting, or ill equipped for. You better believe that. And because He knows, He knows your deeds, and those deeds could be the deeds of the flesh in which God clearly defines what they are in Galatians 5, 19 through 21 and 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. And he also knows your laborer as a laborer in his harvest by the work and power of God, the Holy Spirit. You can count on that. And because you're alive and because they're alive, they see what's dead and what's alive and will truly speak directly to your perspective of yourself, others, the world, and its ruler. They will speak the truth of the condition of your spirituality, and will reprove their disciples whenever, wherever, and however they want to bring that truth to your attention, for you to take the action God deems necessary for you to carry out within your own spirituality. That's the plain old truth. And when one's perspective may be skewed by their inmost tainted perspective and opinion about themselves or the outward appearance and behavior and expressions of another, God will reveal the truth about any form of deadness in one's serving, relationships, ministry, prayer, associations, interactions, and your work as their disciple. So the question is... How will you respond to God the Holy Spirit's prompting for you to be vigilant, thoughtful, and prudent to work out your salvation pertaining to any unresponsive condition of your spirituality that negatively affects your purpose, labor, and representation as their ambassador in your service as their disciple? Do you, like, feel really important because I asked you that way? But, I mean, seriously— This is a long question, so I'm going to repeat it. How will you respond to God the Holy Spirit's prompting to be vigilant, thoughtful, and prudent to work out your salvation pertaining to any unresponsive condition in your spirituality that negatively affects your purpose, labor, and representation as their ambassador in your service as their disciple. I had a wonderful opportunity to serve my daughter who's a behavior analyst in her professional career and it was truly a blessing and a rewarding experience for me because I was able to see her in her quote unquote work mode and I was the recipient of her presentation for an upcoming training session she was going to deliver. One of the topics dealt with the theory called the dead man's test. At the time of the presentation, I have yet to receive inspiration from God the Holy Spirit as to the subject matter for this week's Godcast titled Dead or Alive. And I hope you've said one time or another in your spirit, the proclamation of God is amazing. Well, he's amazing. This dead man's test brought a tremendous enlightenment to me because it pertains not only to one's behavior and in the field of behavior studies, Everything everyone does is behavior-related, believe it or not. And that same principle applies with one's spirituality, believe that or not. The dead man's test is a method to establish if something a person does is behavior-related or it isn't. There's NGA all over the place. And the question simply is this, can a dead man do it? If a dead man can do it, It's not a behavior. And if a dead man can't do it, then it is a behavior. It's as simple as that. So I asked, please provide me with an example. And her immediate response, which confirmed her preparation, knowledge, and experience seemed quite easy for her, yet very profound for me. She said, can a dead man sitting in a chair put his hands on a table like you have yours now? Well, my answer was no he immediately said then it's a behavior because a dead man can be propped up in a chair and sit there just like you are but unable to place their hands on the table but you can that's the proof and echoing in my mind that's the spiritual evidence of God the Holy Spirit's occupation and there must be fruit regardless of what anyone proclaims. Man, did that get this noggin to think. She was addressing human behavior in the physical, and I'm meditating on behavior in the spiritual, and although we're exploring it from two totally different aspects of humanity, the physical and the spiritual, this theory fit together in my mind like a hand fits in a glove. I truly believe God the Holy Spirit works. When wonder fills a person's heart and mind, just like it did for Saul of Tarsus, you may know him as the Apostle Paul, that God inspired his work of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philemon, Galatians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. But you must believe All that work was not done when he was dead. It was only done when God made him alive. You better believe that. Because when he was persecuting Jesus' disciples, he was standing at the scene where a disciple of Jesus named Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel. And you can find Stephen's testimony in Acts chapter 7. Saul must have wondered that day how martyrs like Stephen Could remain faithful, like Jesus, to God the Father, to proclaim the gospel message looking to God only versus staring and dreading death, which only affects the physical body, and it's temporary because Jesus defeated the grave and death. Praise God. And when that wonder entered Saul's heart and saturated his mind, the Holy Spirit went to work. You can believe that. And Saul not only found out the how, he found out the why when he had his meeting with God on the road to Damascus. You can find Saul's conversion story in the book of Acts chapter 9. This is my prayer for those that God the Holy Spirit leads to this God cast. that this God cast causes you to wonder about this life of being God's workmanship, ambassador, carrier of the light, possessor of God's word and truths as their disciple or you as a disciple of Jesus desire. To share this Godcast with someone you love and know they need God's supernatural heart and spirit transplant in order for them to be born again by the power work of God the Holy Spirit, then please, please share it with them because this work of God can truly happen in their life. Do you believe God can and will do as he promised he will? I know they will be eternally grateful that you did because they too will become God's workmanship and be born again by the power and work of God, the Holy Spirit, aren't you? And then when you do, you are being an obedient servant of the only true God, sharing the good news of good things, amen? Remember Romans ten fifteen beautiful feet and I know in today's culture it's beautiful techno feet see isn't God amazing because that's Colossians 1 all things have been created through him and for him so what part of iPad Galaxy iPhone Mac PC and all the rest of technology that everybody uses are not included in all things Instantly, my mind was in full gear of cogitating as to how this aspect of life really confirms where one could actually be spiritually, either dead or alive. And when that inspiration and wonder entered my heart and mind, God the Holy Spirit went to work, and this Godcast hit the page, and now you have it. The title of this Godcast was revealed, Discipleship the Way of Life, dead or alive. That's the plain old truth. I truly believe God's word comes alive in his disciples and is the living example of Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I was truly desiring to understand this concept of the dead man theory and how it applied in the life of spiritually. And I relish on the Holy Spirit's inspiration as I truly desire to do my disciple work heartily with the great commission, service, mission mindset by looking to God, the Holy Spirit for inspiration for these Godcasts, And you must know my pondering requires me to get a pen and paper and I'm sitting at the keyboard and God in his faithfulness brings forth their truth and I pass it on to you. I pray these God casts are speaking the truth in love to you and they're bringing forth teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness as 2 Timothy 3.16 comes alive in me. And I pray as you grow and mature as a disciple of Jesus, God's living and active word comes alive in you and you too experience being the workmanship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you must know, and although I've yet to personally hear from anyone, I do pray you will respond and confirm God's work in and through you, because your testimony will be a blessing in my life. Amen? I will ensure I put my email in these Godcasts for you from now on. I must testify, though, God is filling my cup. And it reminds me of a saying I've heard several years ago, I don't know who said it, but I do understand it now, and you may have heard it as well, and I pray you too can echo it. I'm drinking from the saucer, because my cup has overflowed. Amen? Now it does make total sense now what God says in Revelation 3.1, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now let's just get directly to the point, and I pray this is the last time I'll ever need to remind you that God's living and active word applies all along the linear line of time, and it was not just for those people back there. Amen? Because the simple truth, you, that's Y-O-U, you can be physically alive performing the quote-unquote Christian or religious deeds, yet according to God's spiritual assessment, you are dead. God's articulating you could be a dead man, assuming you're alive, when in actuality, you're just a corpse propped up in a chair. Now, the plain old truth, God said that you have a name. And I've been cogitating on this, and I want you to join me in it. Here you go. Could that name be the name of Christian? Since the world associates Christian with Jesus, confirming what God says that you have a name and that Christian means Christ follower and creates a mentality and it creates an assumption perspective mindset that you are alive and associate yourself with the name. However, God makes it very clear It's a name that you have. Listen, a name you have, not a name that God saying, not a name that I gave you. The difference is a disciple of Jesus. You find your identity in God, in Jesus, in him, and not by a name that gives you the illusion that you are alive. God doesn't say a name that makes you alive and you are dead. No. He says that you have a name and this name is a name you have chosen to represent yourself because God has already established that the only one, and the one is with a capital O, that can make you alive. One is the creation of an illusion resulting in a fixed state of mind compared to the actual event of God's supernatural spiritual work that's real and has substance, sustenance, and evidence. That could explain why many, through their sincerest, valiant attempts to manufacture this disciple life, which only results in an incomplete and momentary changes in their behaviors, yet the truth is, under the skin, they're only living by their own flesh and sinful nature, resulting in self deception It would be the same as a leopard applying makeup to cover its spots, attempting to blend into the environment. And that would be the same as all you got to do is, quote unquote, Christian and religious deeds. And you know what they are. You know what you heard. And when you exhibit your Christianness, Performance that will confirm with those in your midst that you must be a Christian or a very religious person. That is, until the sky expels its water and the makeup runs and the spots are exposed for all to see what was covered up by the makeup. The simple truth this way of living reveals unison of the spirit of the man and their flesh as a opposition and conviction because of flesh and the spirit and a continuation of God's work to conform you into the image of Jesus, as Romans 8:29 testifies to God's will and plan for the lives of their disciples. God's truth in Romans 8:29 only happens when you are born of the Spirit and it's God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure as I quote Philippians 2.13, and it testifies that it's God who is at work. You must believe this truth. And this disciple life requires a heart and spirit transplant, and all of Jesus' disciples are filled, led, walks, and lives, and sent by God the Holy Spirit through his occupation, power, teaching, promptings, and work. Because without God's presence in you, those valiant efforts will produce the same results. And that does make me wonder, are those that live by the name, are they the ones that God is referencing in Matthew 7 when Jesus says, not everyone? And for the reason of association and living was only for the name? And in reality, from God's vantage point, you are dead because you are living for the name, thus never experiencing the richness, true joy, wonderful life, complete freedom, God's righteousness, and the fulfillment that comes in and through and by your calling as a disciple to work out your salvation. The plain old truth, to be one of Jesus' disciples, there must be. There must be an eternal evidence of God the Holy Spirit's occupation, his presence, his power, his work, his teaching, and his fruit. And you're living, you're living for the persons. And that would be with a capital P, the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as you live your life in total submission to God's sovereignty Obedience to God's word and commands by being the ambassador of their love, their work, their commands, their words, and their lives. Please understand, God is using his NGA. There must be eternal evidence of their love, their joy, their peace, their patience, their kindness, their goodness, their faithfulness, their gentleness, their mercy, their grace, and their forgiveness. And God empowers you as you develop the ability to live a life of self-control over your flesh and your sinful nature as you walk the way Jesus did in this dark and wicked world. And as a result of God's work, you possess a great commission service mission mindset in which the fruit of the spirit you go and make disciples as you imitate God's work in you as a disciple. Because the plain old truth, the name is just a name. Because the name doesn't make you alive. God makes you alive. So let's dive into John 15:5 for how Jesus confirms his truth. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The pure milk of the word? Jesus is the source of life in his metaphor of the vine and the branches. And in order for the branch to receive this source of life, it must be permanently connected to the vine for life that's only provided to the branch in and by the vine. Look at any grapevine. Go ahead, Google it. Look at where the vine and the branch are connected. Do you really believe it's possible for a branch to disconnect and reconnect itself into the vine, the source of life, on its own impulses? And then it makes me want to ask this question. Why would you wanna? Where else would you go to find the life other than from the only true God? Haven't you read with Shimon Kepha? Simon Peter said to Jesus, written in John 6:68, 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Please tell me that you know that you would be deceiving yourself or being deceived to believe that a branch could disconnect and reconnect himself at any time they desire from the vine. That's a spiritual impossibility and surely would fail the dead man's test because the dead man cannot make himself alive as the branch is dead as a doornail once it's severed from the vine. So I had a brief conversation with another daughter that's an ICU nurse and at times completes charge responsibilities, and I asked her had she ever personally witnessed anyone who was declared deceased and made themselves alive, lifted up the draped sheet, and requested their room back. I think you know the answer to that question. She didn't even answer. I guess this is where silence is a form of acceptance. You know why? Because if she had, she wouldn't have waited for the question to tell me. That's the same as when someone is born again. You won't have to ask them. They will surely testify of God's amazing supernatural spiritual heart and spirit transplant. You can believe that truth. Wouldn't that be the same also paralleling one parallel, excuse me, paralleling one that could not imitate initiate excuse me initiate man I got all tongue twisted over that wouldn't that be the same truth also parallel that one could not initiate their own salvation by delivering themselves from the domain of darkness and transferring themselves into the kingdom of God that too would fail the dead man's test how could a dead man open a casket climb out from six feet under soil if he could he'd be alive. Come on, somebody testified to this truth of God has made known through Jesus Christ in his word. And it's only by the vine's constant repetition of life of the vine's characteristics, attributes, fruit that are infused into the branches by the power and supply from the vine. In addition, you will find the vine providing a boundless source of grace, an endless supply of mercy, and a limitless amount of forgiveness. Consider this. God's light illuminates darkness, and when his light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not comprehended, as I quote John 1.5, God makes himself known and is the source of the perfect light. Because the light of Jesus in itself is the evidence of his radiance. Because since the fall of man, darkness consumed the existence of every human being spiritually. And the consequence of the fall is the absence of God's light within one's existence. And therefore, one's spiritual condition is total darkness. And darkness equals dead. So... When the branch is permanently fixed to the vine, the light of Jesus flows freely from the vine into the branch as God reveals himself to his disciples. Because as a disciple of Jesus, his light illuminates you as a branch is connected to him. That's one thing that the dead man would not do. That's emit light outward because they are dead. That's the same as one that lives for the name. The light is not residing in them at all. If we were to dissect the vine at the point in origin of the branch, you would see the illumination of God's light, God's love, God's truth, God's word, God's spirit traveling naturally into the branch. Jesus goes on to say, Who abides in me, and I in him? You, as a disciple of Jesus, must abide in Jesus. And as his disciple, you are to be in him, continue in him, and remain in him forever. There's no coming and going. This oneness created in and by God through this purposeful, determined discipleship relationship that's eternal and as a permanent, as your pigmentation you were born with. Now, one may try to alter their inherent hue, but the simple truth, you are who you are regardless of what alterations you make or how you want others to perceive you. And the same applies to God's work of salvation. When God makes you one of his disciples, you are a disciple for all eternity. And to fully truly, excuse me, and to fully experience God's perspective of abiding, the key component is Jesus must abide in you. So the simple truth You can't have one without the other because to abide creates an eternal state of oneness with God. And no man nor yourself could ever give you what only God can provide, which is oneness with themselves. Believe that. And the evidence of Jesus through the occupancy of God, the Holy Spirit, is the fruit. And the fruit is the work of God being carried out in and through your spiritual existence as you live out discipleship. And it must be spiritual, because this is the only aspect of your existence that will live forever, either in the presence of God or not. So, here's your NGA. Alive or dead, attached or severed, disciple or Christian. Remember, the intrinsic attributes will flow out of your spiritualness, his love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as God testifies in Galatians five twenty-two and 23. Now, you know and must strongly consider that for anyone to expose the being dead like the dead man or alive in the spirit, you must only look at the evidence. Listen to what my wife used to say to me before salvation came to my tent, and she said it. And this is where I'd stick in, bless her heart. She said it numerous times, and I failed to understand what she meant, because I was dead. Now, being alive, I know exactly what she meant. And this is what she said. Your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. Would that be the same as someone proclaiming to be a quote-unquote Christian, but their actions reveal a continuous state of corruption, dishonesty, iniquities, and transgressions? You saying that to anyone? Or is anyone saying that to you? And it may not be verbatim, but you know what they're saying now. That is, if you're listening and alive. Because the evidence is the proof. That's the thoughts that occupy the mind that create an action in your eyes, hands, and feet. Words that proceed from your mouth, from the mind that began in the heart, and deeds for and about yourself, your needs, your wants, your desires, your need for acknowledgement, your need for recognition, your need to be a part the dead man's test will result in sinful actions opposed to God, his words, his truths, his commands, and his fruit. Where the dead man's actions of disgust and animosity and hatred compared to being alive in the love of God, the dead man will exhibit misery and despair, where being alive being filled with true joy, the dead man displays irritation and conflict versus alive in the peace given by God. The dead man will reveal concealed agitation and intolerance of others compared to alive exhibiting patience. The dead man will demonstrate cruelty and meed spiritedness opposed to alive with acts of kindness. Conduct revealing aggression and wickedness compared to alive displaying goodness. And the episodes of infidelity and deceitfulness instead of alive in genuine faithfulness. When you observe spiritual behaviors, they will either line up with the dead man or be alive by God, the Holy Spirit's work, NGA. The plain old truth, only disciples of Jesus are God's workmanship, and Ephesians 2.10 proves this truth. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And being God's workmanship, you, as their disciple, are being fashioned by God. I know there are many that would say, Oh, well, I'm alive. Do I look dead to you? Because if I were dead, I couldn't move like this, could I? You couldn't have a conversation with me if I were dead, could you? And I would say, well, that would depend on the context of the conversation. Because if the conversation is about the cross, the dead men would scream foolishness. But listen to what God said in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What else do I need to say? The dead man lives in foolishness, and a disciple of Jesus, that's alive, they're alive by the power of God. There is only one time, one place, one thing that a disciple of Jesus uses the dead man. And that is here, because God makes it very clear. As a disciple of Jesus, you must consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus as Romans 6.11 testifies. The simple truth, something is either dead or alive, and it pertains to the physical and the spiritual. And if you are going to allow sin, disobedience to God, unfaithfulness, rebellious, then that's supposed to be dead. And to be alive, then you're alive because the fruits of the spirit, fruit, no S, fruit of the spirit is alive in you. If someone, anyone, whether they're known or unknown to you, they're visible or they're off at a distance and were asked about you, what's the evidence you see? What do you suppose the answer would be when they were asked that question about you? Are they dead or alive? Could you handle the truth of the answer, especially if Jesus is the anyone asking that question to everyone you encounter? As we head back up, take this with you. Just look at the pure milk of the word. That would be the simplest way to live out God's words, God's ways, God's truths, God's commands, and God's promises. There's a question that has been echoing for centuries, and it is this. What did God actually say? And you've heard as a child, what did Dad say? You heard it at work. What did the boss or the company say? So... Not with what you think they said, but what did they actually say? And the same applies to God and his word. What did God say? What did God command? It's not what you think God said or what you think God means, but simply, what did he say? Will you adapt the dead man's test for yourself? So when you see the evidence of his existence, crucify him and bury him deeper this time. But when you see the evidence of God, the Holy Spirit's occupation, then praise God for the rest with the rest of his disciples. Amen. Based on what you've heard God say today, do you think there is a difference between One who claims to be a Christian and one that God made into his disciple? I pray you begin to look at your life as a disciple of Jesus and know it's more, a heck of a lot more, than just a name you attach yourself to. Because Jesus set the standard as to the way of life to live every today, God breathes the breath of life into your lungs. Amen? Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, what a sobering truth you brought forth today through your lives, work, word, and will. I lift up all who are listening today in prayer of gratitude for your work in and through humanity. Thank you for the wonder of salvation which causes the spiritually dead to come to life when you make them alive. Reveal today. If anyone is living only for the name, and if they are, lead them to yourself. Your word says no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them near. Then I ask and pray that you draw them to Jesus today. We know life change takes your work of salvation to conform all your disciples into the image of Jesus. We welcome the work of your spirit to bring forth that fruit in us today. Abba, bring forth the truth of your love, grace, and mercy. And where repentance is needed, I pray and ask that you would hear the cry of those who now desire to live this life you've ordained to be carried out in their lives. Whomever it is is, wishes to send this God cast to those they love, who have yet to hear, or even know it exists, I ask that you open the way, remove the barriers, and open their hearts to receive the word spoken today on this Godcast. Excuse me. Reveal to them the evidence of your work and confirm what they believe is real as your disciple. Thank you for listening. Thank you for responding. Thank you for empowering me and giving us this wonderful opportunity to proclaim the good news of good things. I ask for your blessing and provision for this ministry that you've ordained so your word will continue to reach those who desire to hear the truth of who you are and how much you truly love them as they love you above all things. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with D.L. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.